Hey everybody, welcome to episode 58 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam. Hello. Hello. My oh, name that, is Dave. That's Dave, guys. <laughs> and we're here. We uh, we we were back. We had a, a week off there. We had to recharge the batteries. Dave had to go save the world. And uh, well, we're we're back. So yes. Did you have a good week off, Dave? Uh, I did have a good week off. So was in Chicago for a law enforcement training related to mental health and how officers deal with those in mental health crisis. So. Very, uh, very beneficial. It was, uh, it was kind of good to be in Chicago and, um, be with a group of people that, uh, kind of the salt of the earth type folks that, um, are really out there doing the dirty work that a lot of people don't like to do. <laughs> Case in point, I was working from home all week last week, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> not interacting with humans most of the time. But here we are. Here we are. We're humans and we're interacting and yes. we're talking to other humans. Yes. In a time that we do not know. This is true. But anyways, uh before we dive into the main topic for this episode, I wanted to have a little chat about something called cheer pressure. Have you heard this phrase before, Dave? I had not heard the phrase cheer pressure before well, you mentioned it. I learned this phrase uh by listening to another podcast, it's called Hello Internet, and it's by CGP Gray and Brady Heron, YouTube stars, both. Oh, really? Yes. Um, and it's episode number 62, which, uh, as of this recording, just came out a few days ago, and the episode itself is called Cheer Pressure. So I thought, hmm, okay, clever pun. Didn't know where they were going with it. I thought it was about cheerleaders and the pressure they put the fans on to do their silly chants, but I'm, I was wrong. That's not what it's about. No. Turns out, uh, so what What? What had happened was Brady made fun of Elon Musk and SpaceX because for a while there they couldn't land their rockets, and he thought it was kind of funny. And he was just lightheartedly poking fun at them because landing rockets is impossibly hard. Has anyone ever landed a rocket? Not like this they haven't, mm. and SpaceX can now do it. But at the time of the recording, they had yet to do it, and then apparently a few days after they recorded... SpaceX landed the first rocket. And if you want to know all about how that went, you can go to supermegacore.net slash ATN for all things neat slash one and listen to my podcast about SpaceX and how f crazy it was that they landed a rocket. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So there's that. But anyways, back to the whole point of that. I got derailed there, Dave. I'm sorry. The, uh, the point of this is that... Uh, so Brady makes fun of, not makes fun of, more like pokes fun, has a good time that Elon Musk is crazy and wants to land rockets and, and has at that point to do it. And he got some backlash from the listeners saying, you shouldn't make fun of Elon Musk. He's, you're, you're a space guy, Brady. You're all into this. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be making fun of him. You, sh you should be patting him on the back and consoling him, telling him what a good job he's doing. And, uh, he thinks this is ridiculous. He thinks, of course I should be able to make a joke about this and say that his rockets land like drunk people who can't walk and they wobble and they fall over. Why, why that's funny. Why can't I make that joke? And so he lands on this term, uh, cheer pressure, which, uh, they say is it's over enthusiasm and over positivity that turns against and belittles anyone who would dare speak up against science or whatever that 
area is. So you could apply the same thing to conservative Christian republicanism, or you could apply it to staunch atheists. And anytime you affiliate with that group and then go, hey, guys, wait a minute, shouldn't we take a look closer look at this? And then all of that positivity and camaraderie and, oh, yay, we're all singing the same song all turns negative on you because you're the one that stepped out of out of line, apparently, and did not uh, stay part of the positivity party with, you know, no regard for logic or the obvious. And I thought, hold the phone. I've seen this before. And I just think that it's a very interesting thing to hear somebody who I'm fairly confident is not a Christian come to the same realization about the world that I've come to. And I think that, that Jesus points out is that it's, it's not that that group think is a dangerous thing that, um, again, they further explain it this way that, um, pressuring people of similar interests to all be positive about the subject. Uh, we must all be cheerleaders for it, and no one should speak out against it. So if you take Jesus versus the Pharisees, for example, the Pharisees are all in the the huddle, right? Toe the party line, do what Pharisees do, don't speak out against it. And then when Jesus comes as a rabbi, as a teacher of the law, and challenges what they have established as the status quo, all of their their uh, positive group, you know, yay, Pharisees, do it our way or be wrong. And then all of a sudden that turns into venom towards Jesus to the point where they get him killed. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like they kicked him out of the club. He was never really a part of their club per se, but he was in the periphery of what they do. And when he started telling people things about the law and about God that was contradictory or against what they were teaching, they took him out. And I think it's very interesting to see what Brady is talking about in this episode about angry science nerds portraying itself in scripture, you know, 2000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, people haven't changed much. Oh no. You know, and I find it very, um, this whole like group mentality, mob mentality thing, I find very interesting. Um, and so you've got like on any, in any subject, there's always a spectrum of, of beliefs, right? You've got your, for just for, um, sake of a simple conversation, you've got your conservative end and your liberal end, and probably anywhere from 75 to 90% of people will fit in one or two or in one of those camps. Then you've got the remainder somewhere in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. You, would you say that's a fair assessment? Sure. Maybe the percentages are a bit high, but... Yeah, because I would say most people are probably in the middle. You think so? Mm-hmm. On what's, on, but in what area? Because uh, I feel like it depends. I, like, think, po- I think most people just don't care. I think most people are like, how's my football team doing? Uh, you know, do I have a job? Do I have a... I don't think most people fall on that spectrum. Most people. But that would be my... I would say if you're talking about, like, yeah, who's your favorite sports team? But I'm talking, like, uh, is abortion 
good or bad? Uh, should um, same-sex marriage be legal? Does uh, uh, Should the church be tax-exempt like it currently is? Things that are actually going to divide people, not just like, are you a Cubs or a White Sox fan? No, and I guess that's what I'm saying is, is I, I don't think most people care about the politics. I think most people fall in the middle of, um, I, I want to be entertained, I want to be comfortable, and as long as my life is okay, I really don't care about those things. And that's like when it comes to who's in the White House, you know, is your life really that different than it was eight years ago kind of a thing? Uh-huh. And I think most people well, are like... Okay, so maybe maybe my phrase of of conservative and a liberal was a misnomer because I'm not talking politics. Um, so maybe I shouldn't have used those terms. I'm thinking like, uh, in the case of does God exist? You've got your people that say yes, he does. You've got your people that says no, he doesn't. And then you've got the people in the middle that just say, yeah, I don't care. But see, I think I think most people in the middle are, I believe what I believe, and you can believe whatever you want to believe. Right, which is its own group. So maybe we've got three groups there. Well, and I think, I think that's a majority group. Yeah. I believe what I believe, and what you believe is none of my business. And so this gets to my point, I think, hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> of if, if you're in the group of there is no God, atheism is the only way, and everyone else is wrong— and then someone comes along and it's just like, hey, man, you do you, I'll do me, like, whatever, it's all good. There's going to be conflict there between those two people. Because one person is saying, no, this is how it is, you're wrong. The other person saying, like, whatever. And then you've got the Christian or the Muslim or the Jude saying, no, no, God God exists, and this is how God tells us to live. And and so there, there seems to be, at least in my brief experience, people want people trend towards larger groups. There's kind of like a gravitational pull of like, who do you associate with when you're in high school? It's like, are you a jock? Are you a nerd? Are you this or that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I would say that with social media and the internet, that's probably even more so than it ever was. And with the onset of that too, you've got, if anyone speaks out against whatever the group you associate with, you know, uh, whatever their values are, if you speak out against it, you've got hundreds or thousands of people that are willing to threaten to murder your family because it's anonymous. Whereas, you know, back in the good old days, no one wouldn't have said anything because they would have had to say it to your face. And so all of this to say, it the, the point that, that they make is that it seems to be very interesting, especially on the inter- internet. And these guys are both, like I said, both big YouTube stars. So they know what dealing with internet, you know, hate and success is all about. But how quickly people can turn from being, in heavy air quotes, your best friend because you're all drinking the same Kool-Aid to the second you start questioning it, becoming very, very hostile towards you. And it makes you wonder if all of the good positivity, yay, we're part of the same group feelings are real or not. If so quickly the tables can turn and how their point essentially is I should be allowed to 
voice my opinion, to subscribe to reason and logic, even when it goes against whatever the group right. says is true. And I just, I just don't know, you know, um, how, how kids are supposed to navigate that today. And, I, and I'm, I'm kind of going back to our past as youth pastors in how, if a kid gets in with a bad crowd and the kid starts to see things that don't make sense or see things that he knows are wrong, but those are his only friends, and he or she is voiced, uh, is, is faced with the decision to voice their opinion, get ostracized, maybe get bullied, maybe, you know, whatever, or just put up and shut up. You know, how does a 13-year-old kid navigate that? See, and... I guess I feel like what you're describing now is peer pressure, which has always been the case. Peer peer pressure has always existed. Right. Yeah, no, that's true. So so I, I, I guess the peer pressure peer piece has always existed, and I don't know that that has changed a whole lot. The the cheer pressure that I feel like he is talking about, um, it, to me, is more about as adults and who you, which, which crowd you identify with. Mm -hmm. And if you choose to identify a cert with a certain crowd, then you're supposed to identify completely with that certain crowd. Right. And you can never have an opinion that deviates from that crowd, nor can you even associate with somebody, uh, that deviates from what the crowd does. And that's, to me, that's what I feel like, at least in the last 30 years that I've sort of been paying attention to what's been going on in the world is I feel like, you know, even in the eighties when I was a teenager and peer pressure was very much a part of my life, I could still look at adults who disagreed with each other and they could still get things accomplished. They could still do things because they didn't see the world the same as the next person. And to me, we've reached this point where everything is just a line being drawn in the sand and you're either for it or you're against it. And you don't really get to, to kind of debate the issue or, um, even just say, I don't know, or, um, kind of just wrestle with the idea of this is a complex issue and it's not so simply as the line that you want to draw in the sand. And so I don't know if I'm answering your question or not, but um, I, I, I guess I feel like that this is truly different than peer pressure mm-hmm. and that sheer pressure is more about kind of being an adult and who you identify with and doing it because it's what everybody else is saying. It, it, it's like this grown up version of peer pressure yeah, with a with a veil of positivity about it. Uh, with a veil of positivity about it in terms of you don't speak negatively about the group that you're a part of. And um Which leads us to Congress. Congress, <laughs> yeah. I well and and honestly, I, I see this in law enforcement. I mean, this is one of those things where it's like if you really look at what's going on in the world, um it, one of the things that, and gosh, I don't, I don't even want to completely go down this road, but, um, 
law enforcement needs to change. It desperately needs to change. Uh, because time and again, law enforcement officers are the ones who are ramping up a situation to where um, use of force reaches a, um, well, it becomes lethal force. We're talking about life or death type things. And um, within the group that I'm in, uh, there's very much of, if you speak out against that, that cops should be kinder, gentler. Uh, maybe instead of being law enforcement or police officers, we need to get back to calling ourselves peace officers. That is not met with much... Uh, Fervor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, well, what are you? Some kind of liberal, you know? And it's just like, well, maybe. I don't know. But... I just, I find it, we live in a very um, subjective time, and yet it seems to me that the choices that we make have become artificially labeled as a black and white type choice. And I'm not exactly sure where that comes from, other than to speculate, we've lost our, you know, We've lost our true north. We've lost our sense of morality, uh, being God, being Jesus. And now that it's subjective, we're kind of creating these artificial sort of, there has to be a right, there has to be a wrong. Which is funny if you think about it. It's kind of ironic. I, oh, I, yeah. <laughs> Not kind of. It's very ironic. So. Yeah. If, if, we, make, if we make the rules about what's, what's black and white, then it's okay. But if somebody else does like God, then, oh, man, I can't, I can't handle that. That's not okay. Very much so. Because clearly we know how to live our own lives. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thank you for making sense out of what I was trying to say. That was clearly well, my thoughts were not as. I don't know if I did or not. Well, but... no, my, my thoughts were not as clearly formed as I had thought coming into this. So um, maybe, maybe there's more, more to that if I have time to, to process, but anyways, um, I think it's time to move on. Um, But before we dive into our main topic, I'm going to do what I hate in church and that's to do announcements in between the worship and the, and the sermon. I don't like it when people do that. (laughs) I think it's stupid, but I'm going to do it now, even though we didn't sing and we're not preaching a sermon. But okay. It's just a bad analogy. I'm, see, a week off, Dave, and I'm totally thrown off my <laughs> You're game. You're fine. It's just all get, your fault. Just go. Go. All right. Uh, so if you want to uh, listen to that podcast that we mentioned earlier, uh, it will be in the show notes, which can be found at supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 58. If you want to get in touch, you can do so on Twitter. Dave is at 10.8HBO, where 8 is the only number. I'm at at Cam Brennan. You can also just shoot something at the show, which is at Masterclass FM. And if you need to email us because you want to write something long and eloquent and lovely, you can do so. Hello at supermegacorp.net. And one more thing, Dave. Yes. I don't think we've mentioned this yet on the show, have we? I don't know. Our, our special our special Telegram channel. Oh no, we have not. All right, so there's this app called Telegram. 
and they've got it for like every single thing. Like I'm pretty sure they even have a BlackBerry app if that's such a thing. But what, what's a BlackBerry? Yeah, I don't know. You're a cop. <laughs> you should know. Uh, Telegram's a messaging app, basically. But what's really cool about it is it has this feature called channels that you can join, and then you get to get updates from whatever a post is put to that channel. So think of it as like uh, the Super Mega Corp channel is going to be a behind-the-scenes look at how we record, how we prepare for shows, stupid cats with laser gifts because those are just fun. Um, but it's an opportunity for uh, Dave and Nick and I to uh, share some thoughts, share um, some behind-the-scenes um, photos and videos, sound bites, tips and tricks for what we've learned the hard way. Um, and then uh, you guys can just you know, join in. And if you like it, you can stay. If not, you can leave. But it's kind of like a private place for us to share what we think is super cool with whoever wants to listen. So if you want to check that channel out, just give it a test run. You can uh, click the link in the show notes that's going to say join the Telegram channel. Or you can go to telegram.me slash supermegacorp to take a peek. And, you know, Hopefully we'll see you there. Yes. I'm there now. Dave's there now. But I may not be there while you're listening. And I don't... <laughs> not 100% sure what I'm doing. It's okay. I'll teach you the ways, Dave. <laughs> All right. Would you, uh, would you lead us in the reading of the word of our Lord? Absolutely. So tonight we are in Matthew 16, verses 5 through 12. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not yet do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand? And how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand? And how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. All right. Thank you, sir. So what? What's going on here? Because this is kind of... He gives them bread, they talk about leaven, then he says, I'm not talking about bread, and then he talks about the teaching. So I feel like maybe establishing some some basics here would be good before we, we move on. Um, well, I, I might go a little bit down a path um, that you're not expecting me to go down here. Um, I... Is we've talked about on the podcast, one of the things that we encourage uh, people to do is to read their Bible and to pray. Two two very fundamental things uh, in the Christian faith. And I'm going to give a plug here for uh, Timothy Keller's book on prayer. Um, anything by Timothy Keller, probably pretty good. Pretty good. He's one of my worth faves. the worth the yeah. Um, and so, so Timothy Keller's book on prayer, and 
I'm going to take, um, it, you know, when one of the things that Timothy Keller talks about in his book on prayer is to not just come before God with what's on our heart and start praying, but that there's this spending time in God's word before we pray and praying from what God, God kind of reveals to us and shows to us. And I, so there's this, this process here of, uh, meditating on the word, uh, the Bible, what we read, and then praying out of what we read in God's word, what we read in the Bible. And I think there's a, a, there's sort of a, a concrete example of this going on here. Um, you know, if, if, if I have had a stressful day at work, if I have something going on in my family, whatever it may be that's kind of on my mind, if I immediately go into prayer, then that's probably what I'm going to pray about. Now, granted, those are things that are important to God. God wants to hear uh, what is going on in our lives in terms of a day in and day out, hour by hour. Uh, he is very much relevant to the world that we live in. But I think sometimes what we do is, is when we come to prayer in that way, we sort of elevate the things that maybe don't need to be elevated in terms of prayer. And if we spend some time first meditating on God's Word and focusing on Him and who He is and what He has said, He will guide our prayers. He's going to sort of um, give us this, the things of the world maybe don't matter as much as we think we as they do. Sure and, they do. <laughs> and uh, maybe we need to take a moment to sort of glorify Him first and, and some of those things. And so... Um, in this story, the disciples have sort of realized, hey, we have forgotten the bread. And when it says we, you know, when you say they have forgotten the bread, they're very focused on an earthly condition, an earthly situation of it is our duty to get the bread, to get the food, to make sure everybody has what they need so they don't go, so they don't get hungry. And then there's this piece of Jesus saying, watch and beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so the disciples immediately make this connection of, oh, well, Jesus is talking about the fact that we forgot to bring the bread. And so their, their focus is very much on this worldly, temporal sort of thing. When Jesus is really saying, hey, I'm talking about something higher I'm talking about something more uh, important. And so it may seem like a bit of a stretch here, uh, but it's very much as I've looked at this verse and as I've done some studying over the week, what I feel like God has been convicting me of is that if I immediately go to what's on my mind, or what's on my heart, it may not always be the best thing. It may not always be what God has for me. And so uh, I, I do believe there's an element here going, Jesus has got one perspective and one focus, and the disciples have another. And so just on the front end, uh, before we completely dissect uh, this section of verses, um, 
I, I, I guess I'll sum it up this way. Because the disciples are focused on a material, physical world situation, when Jesus tries to give them a teaching that goes above and beyond the physical, material world, they completely miss it. And eventually they get there, but uh, on the front end, because their focus is on something other than Jesus, they miss it. So... I don't know. Is that a stretch? <laughs> no, because I'm. As you started, you know, working through that, I had to go back and remind myself what had come before this. Mm-hmm. Like, why is he warning them right. about the teachings of? Because right before this, which would have been uh, last episode, yes, two weeks ago. Um, gosh, feels like it was a year ago. It does. But uh, we talked about, you know, the Pharisees demanding signs, and that's the, you know, you can read the sky at night to tell if it's going to be a good day of sailing, but you can't see what's right in front of you. Um, and so when they get across that that lake, you know, the sun was setting on, um, and they realize, oh, we forgot food. Jesus, to your point, is coming, like, don't worry about the food. Like, he even mentions Remember when we fed 5,000 people with five loaves? Do you remember how much we had left over? And do you remember the one time we fed the 4,000 and how much we had left over? Don't worry about that. Worry about what I'm telling you. Yeah. Beware of what those people that we just left 20 minutes ago are teaching. Mm-hmm. Don't be so focused, as you said, about what's right in front of you. Right. I'm hungry. Oh, no, we forgot the bread. Oh, panic ensues. Open your eyes, remember what has happened in the past, and realize that there are there is a hierarchy of importance here. And while not having bread may seem urgent, that is not an important thing right now. What is important is for you to understand what we're dealing with here. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I, I would not have gone down the road that you had just. Because it would, I was still caught up in the why is he talking about bread all the time? <laughs> um, but no, to your to your exact point, I think that um, yes, he's making a point. Like it doesn't matter what's right in front of you. Like open your eyes and pay attention to the bigger picture. Yeah, and, and I guess there's part of me that even sort of believes that Jesus is fully aware of the fact that the disciples are focused on bread. Uh, this physical need that we as human beings have to eat every so often to survive. And he chooses to talk about, he chooses to use the word, beware of the leaven. You know, I mean... He's tricksy like that. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I I think he's very intentional of, well, I know what they're thinking about, what they're focused on. I'm going to use a similar word, a similar kind of, uh, you know, play on words and see how focused they get on that, and then kind of bring them back around <laughs> to get them uh, back in check. So I need to borrow that. That's a pretty, uh, pretty good little technique he has. Yes, he's very good at that. Keep so. that one in my back pocket. All right, so I think that's a good place to start as far as having a perspective on what's going on here. So... Why is he, and and this may seem obvious, but I feel like there's some things perhaps we can flesh out here, but why is is he saying that we need to be aware of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Clearly, they've come to, you know, many confrontations to this point. So why is, A, why is 
he telling him this? And B, why does he have to keep telling them this? I think one of the things is 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 the ba- the debate of the de- the day was sort of well who's right the Pharisees or the Sadducees and between those two groups they're looking at the other going we're right and you're wrong it's that pesky black and white situation again. yeah exactly and so so here's that situation of um you know they think they are so different from the others. You know, the Pharisees are like, we're nothing like the Sadducees. Sadducees are saying, we're nothing like the Pharisees. They're the enemies. And then basically, all of a sudden, Jesus is lumping them in the same category together. It doesn't say the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It says the Pharisees and Sadducees. Like, they are all one group. And suddenly, it's not Pharisees against Sadducees. It's Pharisees and Sadducees against Jesus. And Jesus is the one who's correct, and they are the ones that are incorrect. And so, yeah, I think there's this this element of debating between those two, and Jesus is trying to refocus everybody on uh, God and his Father and the Creator of the universe— and not so much on who's better at obeying the laws and who's got the right set of beliefs and all that kind of thing, because uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, fortunately, uh, how you look at it one way or the other, there is such a thing as that which is true and that which is not true. And I think the Pharisees and the Sadducees believed they had a version of the truth that ultimately, when it came down to it, did not meet the truth of the Creator of God. And so, um, thankfully Jesus came along and and intervened in history and said, um, these people believe that they have the truth and I'm here to point you to the fact that neither one of them do. And, uh, Paul and the rest of the new Testament, the Pharisee of Pharisees, uh, somebody that had Christians killed for who they believed, uh, was convicted by the Holy Spirit um, that what he believed was not correct, and God got him sort of corrected and turned around. And um, as I read the story of Paul and look at that, I think that's because um, God knew that Paul had a heart to truly glorify God and point people in the direction of truth. He had chosen a truth that really wasn't truth and got him set back on that. So... Yeah, kind of a, a a worldly belief system that didn't rise to what uh, the truth of God was really all about is why he tells them to be aware. All right. I can get down with that. So, I don't know about you, but I don't see any Pharisees or Sadducees running around today. I don't At either. least not by that name. No. So, um, this is all, you know, good for history's sake, mm-hmm. but... How how does this warning from Jesus work today? Does it? Is he only speaking to the fair or to the disciples in that in that very specific time frame, or is there something for Christians today in this passage that that we can learn from? For me personally, what I think the practical application for today is is quit judging people who are outside of the church. 
God is the judge. And time and time again, he calls his people, his followers, people who identify themselves as Christians, is to love other people. I the, the times where he tells his followers to judge another human being are few and far between. The places where he calls us to love others is throughout the New Testament. And um And, and again, I, I, I'm, I'm speaking from a place of this is a personal conviction and this is what I believe, is we need to quit judging people who are outside of the church because that's God's job. Our job is to love people. Now, if somebody's within the church and they, they call themselves a Christians and they want to believe things that are heresy, then we probably need to address that. But when people are outside of the church... In other words, they don't consider them a Christian or a follower of Jesus Christ. Let God handle that. And I just see so much time in, time out, day after day, followers of Jesus Christ so involved in the things of the world and judging things of the world that God never calls us to do, uh, that we really need to make a, we, we need to love people and then let him do the judging. So, so am I right in assuming that you are saying that the Pharisees and Sadducees were really good at judging people and that was kind of their shtick? Yeah, it it was, it was, um, you know, well, okay. So I'm thinking of, uh, not this past Sunday, but the previous Sunday, um, the sermon in church was about um, the pool that would stir uh, by the beautiful gate, and that guy was there for like 38 years, and he couldn't get in. And Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? And he says, get up and take your mat away. And of mm-hmm. course he did it on the Sabbath. And so these, these I can't remember if they were Pharisees or Sadducees, but they're like, hey, you, you can't carry your mat. It's the Sabbath. And he's like, I used to be crippled. Like <laughs> he, that guy told me to do this, yes. you know, lay, lay off me. And so the, the point that, that or one of the many points that Eric made about this passage was they were so caught up in right and wrong and law that they couldn't celebrate or even recognize the fact that this dude who'd been by this pool for almost four decades was walking down the street. They got on him for carrying his mat. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that sort of um, anal retentive obsession with do's and don'ts mm-hmm. is, I think, what Jesus Jesus is certainly not saying, oh, truth is relative, do whatever you want, but he is calling out the hypocrisy of uh, their hearts, right? He calls them whitewashed tombs. On the outside, everything looks great, but on the inside... Yep. Exactly. You are dead. Yep. Um, and so that's what he's getting to. It's not about, you know, just throwing right and wrong under the under the bus. It's about letting your exterior life reflect the truth of the interior. And that's where he says that we need to love, you know, your neighbor as yourself. And they'll know that you're my followers by your love, not by how big your church is, not by, you know, how great your smile is, not by any of that stuff. 
Yes. And so um, what we've been talking about here is actually a verse in Matthew that we uh, hopefully will eventually get to. Uh, but Matthew uh, 23 uh, is where... Uh, Hang on, I'm trying to get to Matthew 23 on my little phone here. Scroll, Dave, <laughs> scroll. scroll. Scroll, scroll, um, Matthew 23, Matthew 23, where? It's it's after 22 and before 24. Man, it, it, it is just funny. As, as I'm scrolling through Matthew 23, it's like verse after verse of uh, rebukes going on here. Uh, but Matthew twenty three twenty seven. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And like I said, this literally is like verse after verse in Matthew 23. Uh, That's going to be fun. Yeah. So if you're incur if you are inclined to uh seek this out, uh Matthew twenty three, and it is all red letter because this is all uh things that Jesus is saying to those who um well Matthew twenty three one, Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples. So there's an element of uh I'm calling you all out here. This is for all of you. Um, and uh, I include myself in that too. But um, as you look at the New Testament as a whole, uh, I believe it'll stand up that God calls us to love and to and reach out to those who are sinning and to show them the truth of the gospel and really to allow him, allow him to do the judging. Um, I can only think of a handful of times where um, Jesus tells us, or the scriptures tell us, uh, to address uh, the sin of another. And generally, well, not generally, uh, uh, across the board, the times when we can judge another person is when it is in the context of a relationship with somebody who considers themselves a Christian and they they are they're living a life of hypocrisy. They say I follow Christ, but this is still continuing in my life. At that point, we can call that person out. But if that person does not consider themselves a Christian, um, and they have not they have not uh, come to salvation in Christ, we really have no business judging. Well, and that judgment will most likely do nothing but push them further away. Right unless God decides to use your or our poor choice to his advantage. Yeah. But again, that's not because we did the right thing. It's because God took our screw up and said, I'm, I'm going to work with this. <laughs> I'm going to take this and I'm going to make it, you know, yes. work out for my, for my, for my benefit. So, yeah. All right. Um, real quick before we close here, cause I think mm-hmm. we're getting close to wrap okay. up. Um, this is potentially a loaded question. Mm-hmm. Who should we be on the lookout for today as far as avoiding the teaching of scripture? Uh one of one of my um one of my favorite verses 
is in the book of Acts, and it, and it is a reference uh, to the Bereans. And I can never remember exactly if it's 1117 or 1711, <laughs> which is funny when I'm sitting here declaring that uh, this is one of my favorite verses. So 1711. It's 1711. Um, so uh, you would, I, I probably just need to bring uh, a real Bible, a real Bible that actually has pages in it so that I can uh, flip to these better. That would but, add a nice sound effect to the show. <laughs> so Acts uh, 1711 is referring to uh, now these Jews who were more noble than those in Thessalonica, they received the word with all eagerness. And then this is the second part. Examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So they heard the teaching. They were eager to embrace that teaching. But then when they heard that teaching, they went to scripture, they went to the Bible, and they said, is this so? Does this hold up to what I have just heard? And um, because I'm in the English Standard Version, it doesn't say the Bereans, but that is who the Jews that we're talking about here are the Bereans. So, well, yeah, if you, the, the heading is Paul and Silas in Berea. Oh, is that what it says? Okay, yeah. if I scroll up a little bit. So, um, and this is the thing. If you come back to Scripture, uh, things that are true are going to hold up to the test of time, and things that are not true are not going to hold up to the test of time. And uh, I'm going to kind of go back to the um, reading of the book up on prayer from Timothy Keller. We don't... Well, um, we have this, well, I can relate to this. I will say I have gone to scripture expecting to find a truth that I want reinforced. And I find it there. And the reality is, is we need to go to scripture with, with a receptiveness to Christ and what he has for us and ask him to speak through the scripture that we read. And it's not about, you know, the one year reading plans have their place. I have certainly done that. Read the Bible from beginning to end over the course of a year. I can, I can never, never get past February. <laughs> Numbers kills me. Numbers. <laughs> um, but, you know, and I don't know that we were intentional in the way we were doing this, but we've been doing this since January of 2015. It is now May of 2016. And we are in the 16th chapter of Matthew, having started in Matthew 5 with... The very end of, of, of 4. Very end of 4, was end of 5. Episode, okay. Yeah. And so, and you know what? Week in and week out, we have plenty to talk about going scripture by scripture. Uh, tonight, uh, we have Jesus rebuking the disciples about the feeding of the, the 4,000 and the 5,000 or the 5,000 and the 7,000, whatever the number is. I don't even think we've ever even really delved into the feeding of the 5,000. I think this is the first time we've really spent much time. That's a good question. I don't on this uh, over a year and a half. Scripture is so rich and it's so full that you can literally take your time in it um, and allow God to speak to you and reveal himself through you. And um, again, Cam and I are fallen, sinful human beings who hope that those of you who listen to this um, um, have an element of, uh, not an element, but that, that, that God is glorified through this and he shines through, uh, even though we are imperfect 
and certainly full of, um, well, we're just, we're human. We're just like everybody else. So Jesus feeds the 5,000 in Matthew 14. It's right before he walks on water. But did we ever really discuss it? I sure hope so. I think we kind of skipped over the feedings of the the 5,000, the 4,000. Oh, well, that's my bad. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll do a little research on that and see if we're just forgetting an episode. Maybe it was just a bad episode. <laughs> well, there's not a lot of the, you know, our podcast oh, yes. is about what Jesus the said. The red letters, yes. The yes. red letters. And there's not a lot of that in there until we got to this particular verse. So. Well, perhaps we'll do a show on, we'll do an episode dedicated to Jesus' miracles, maybe. That could be fun. That could be fun. So. Get all Pentecostal about it. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for not taking the bait in that question, Dave. I was about to throw a few people under the bus, but I'm not going to do that anymore because you took the high road and I'm going to follow you. <laughs> so touche for that. I, I feel like we've thrown those people under the bus. Before. Yeah. If you don't know who we're referencing, you just need to listen a little closer to previous episodes. Uh, all right. Well, any parting thoughts, good sir? Um, I will just say that, that Tim, I, I will once again reiterate Timothy Keller's book on prayer. I know Cam and I point to reading scripture and praying. That book does a fabulous job of bringing those two things together and how um, one feeds off from the other. Yeah, he's a smart guy. He's prolific, too. I don't know how he writes all these books, but good for him. Absolutely. I have like a whole shelf in my library that's just Tim Keller books. If you want to totally nerd out about church too, check out Center Church. It's like a textbook. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to put that in the show notes too. But I think that brings us to the end of episode 58. Dave, I'm going to make you talk one more time. Where can they find the show notes? Uh, they can find the show notes at supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash five eight correct and that was purely by memory wow <laughs> by uh, a year uh, and a half later yes on that bombshell <laughs> i bid you adieu goodbye <laughs>